Chapter Four of the Indian Fairy Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nero Tacita. The Indian Fairy Book, by Henry R. Schoolcraft. Chapter Four. Chapter Four, The Celestial Sisters. Waupi, or the White Hawk, lived in a remote part of the forest where animals abounded. Every day he returned from the chase with a large spoil, for he was one of the most skillful and lucky hunters of his tribe. His form was like the cedar; the fire of youth beamed from his eye. There was no forest too gloomy for him to penetrate, and no track made by bird or beast of any kind which he could not readily follow. One day he had gone beyond any point which he had ever before visited. He travelled through an open wood, which enabled him to see a great distance. At length he beheld a light breaking through the foliage of the distant trees, which made him sure that he was on the borders of a prairie. It was a wide plain covered with long blue grass, and enamelled with flowers of a thousand lovely tints. After walking for some time without a path, musing upon the open country and enjoying the fragrant breeze, he suddenly came to a ring worn among the grass and the flowers, as if it had been made by footsteps moving lightly round and round. But it was strange, so strange, as to cause the white hawk to pause and gaze long and fixedly upon the ground. There was no path which led to this flowery circle. There was not even a crushed leaf or a broken twig, nor did he find the least trace of a footstep, approaching or retiring. So wondering, he thought he would hide himself and lie in wait to discover, if he could, what the strange circle meant. Presently, he heard faint sounds of music in the air. Looking up in the direction they came from, he saw a floating small object like a little summer cloud that approaches down from above the earth. At first, it was very small and seemed as if it could have been blown away by the first breeze that came along. But it rapidly grew as he gazed upon it, and the music every moment came clearer and more sweetly to his ear. As it neared the earth, it appeared as a basket, and it was filled with twelve sisters of the most lovely forms and enchanting beauty. As soon as the basket touched the ground, they leapt out and began straight away to dance around the magic ring in the most joyous manner. Striking a shining ball, which uttered ravishing melodies, keeping time as they danced, the white hawk, from his concealment, gazed with delight upon their graceful forms and movements. He admired them all, but he was most pleased with the youngest. He longed to be at her side, to embrace her, to call her his own, and unable to remain longer a silent admirer, he rushed out and endeavored to seize this twelfth beauty who so enchanted him. But the sisters, the moment they descried the form of a man, leapt back into the basket with the swiftness of birds and were drawn up into the sky. Lamenting his ill luck, Waupi gazed longingly upon the fairy basket as it ascended, bearing the lovely sisters from his view. They are gone, he said, and I shall see them no more. He returned to his solitary lodge, but found no relief to his mind. He walked abroad, but to look at the sky 
which had withdrawn from his sight the only being he had ever loved, was painful to him now. The next day, selecting the same hour, the white hawk went back to the prairie and took his station near the ring. But in order to deceive the sisters, he assumed the form of an opossum and sat among the grass as if he were there engaged in chewing the cud. He had not waited long when he saw the cloudy basket descend and heard the same sweet music falling as before. He crept slowly toward the ring, but the instant the sisters caught sight of him they were startled and sprang into their car. It rose a short distance when one of the elder sisters spoke. Perhaps, she said, it has come to show us how the game is played by mortals. Oh, no, the youngest replied. Quick, let us ascend. And all joining in a chant, they rose out of sight. Then while P, casting off his disguise, walked sorrowfully back to his lodge. But, ah, uh, the night seemed very long to lonely White Hawk. His whole soul was filled with the thought of the beautiful sister. Betimes, the next day, he returned to the haunted spot, hoping and fearing and sighing as though his very soul would leave his body in its anguish. He reflected upon the plan he should follow to secure his success. He had already failed twice. To fail a third time would be fatal. By searching, he found a nearby old stump, much covered with moss, and just then in the use as a residence of a number of mice, who had stopped there on a pilgrimage to some relatives on the other side of the prairie. The white hawk was so pleased with their tidy little forms that he thought he too would be a mouse, especially as they were by no means formidable to look at, and would not be at all likely to create alarm. He accordingly brought the stump and set it near the ring. Then, without further notice, he became a mouse, and peeped and sported, and kept his sharp little eyes busy with the others, only he did not forget to keep one eye up towards the sky, and one ear wide open in the same direction. It was not long before the sisters, at their customary hour, came down and resumed their sport. "'But see!' cried the youngest sister. "'That stump was not there before!' She ran off, frightened, toward the basket. But her sisters only smiled, and gathered round the old tree stump, struck it in jest, when out ran the mice, among them while pee. This was sport for the sisters, and they chased and killed them all, save one, which was pursued by the twelfth sister, who had decided, after all, to join in the game. As she raised a silver stick, which she held in her hand to put an end to that too, the form of the white hawk arose, and he clasped his prize in his arms. The other eleven sprang to their basket and were drawn up to the skies. Delighted with his success, Wapi exerted all his skill to please his bride and win her affections. He wiped the tears from her eyes. He related his adventures in the chase. He dwelt upon the charms of life on the earth. He was constant in his attentions, keeping fondly by her side, and picking out the way for her to walk as he led her gently toward his lodge. He felt his heart glow with joy as he entered it, and from that moment he was one of the happiest men. Winter and summer passed rapidly away, and as spring drew near with its balmy gales and its many-colored flowers, their happiness was increased by the presence of a beautiful boy in their lodge, a son with both his mother's beauty and his father's strength. What more of earthly blessing was there for them to enjoy? 
Waupi's wife, however, was a daughter of one of the stars, and as the scenes of earth began to pall upon her sight, she sighed to revisit her father. But she hid these feelings from her husband. She remembered the charm that would carry her up, and while White Hawk was engaged in the chase, she took occasion to construct a wicker basket, which she kept concealed. In the meantime, she collected such rarities from the earth as she thought would please her father, as well as the most dainty kinds of food. Then on a day, when all else was in readiness, and Waupee absent, she went out to the charmed ring, taking with her her little son. As they entered the car, she commenced her magical song, and the basket rose. The song was sad, and of a lowly and mournful cadence and as it was wafted far away by the wind, it caught her husband's ear. It was a voice which he well knew, and he instantly ran to the prairie. But though he made a breathless speed, he could not reach the ring before his wife and child had ascended beyond his reach. He lifted up his voice in loud appeals, but they were unavailing. The basket still went up. He watched it till it became a small speck, and finally it vanished in the sky. He then bent his head down to the ground and was miserable. Through a long winter and a long summer, Waupi bewailed his loss, but he found no relief. The beautiful spirit had come and gone, and he should see it no more. In the meantime, his wife had reached her home in the stars, and in the blissful employments of her father's house, she had almost forgotten that she had left a husband upon the earth. But her son, as he grew up, resembled his father more and more, and every day he was restless and anxious to revisit the scene of his birth. His grandfather, perceiving this, said to his daughter, Go, my child, take your son down to his father, and ask him to come up and live with us, but tell him to bring along a specimen of each kind of bird and animal he kills in the chase. The mother, accordingly, took the boy and descended, and the white hawk who was ever near the enchanted spot heard her voice as she came down the sky. His heart beat with impatience as he saw her form and that of his son, and they were soon clasped in his arms. He heard the message of the star, and he began to hunt with the greatest activity that he might collect the present with all dispatch. He spent whole nights as well as days in searching for every curious and beautiful animal and bird, but he only preserved a foot, a wing, or a tale of each. When all was ready, Waupi visited once more each favorite spot, the hilltop whence he had been used to see the rising sun, the stream where he had sported as a boy, the old lodge which he was to sit in no more, and last of all, he came to the magic circle and gazed widely around him with tearful eyes. Then, taking his wife and child by the hand, he entered the car, and they were drawn up into a country far beyond the flight of birds or the power of the mortal eye to pierce. Great joy was manifested upon their arrival at the starry plains. The star chief invited all his people to a feast, and when they had assembled, he proclaimed aloud that each one might continue as he was, an inhabitant of his own dominions, or select of the earthly gifts such as he liked best. A strange confusion immediately arose. Not one but sprang forward. Some chose a foot, some a wing, some a tail, and some a claw. Those who selected tails or claws were changed into animals and ran off. 
The others assumed the form of birds and flew away. Wao Pi chose a white hawk's feather. His wife and son followed his example, and each one became a white hawk. He spread his wings, and followed by his wife and son, descended with the other birds to the earth, where they are still to be found. With the brightness of the starry plains in their eyes, and the freedom of the heavenly breezes in their wings. End of chapter four.